Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm Jerry Ewalt, Chief Marketing Officer for Restoration of America, and today we are blessed to have Jennifer Say, the former top executive at Levi Strauss, who quit rather than bend the knee to the woke corporate culture surrounding the COVID pandemic. She has written a book about her experience. It's called Levi's Unbuttoned. We are so happy that she's here to talk about it. Well, Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, before we get into Levi Strauss, I'd like to know a little bit about your background. I understand you were quite the gymnast uh, in your past life. I was. I had a very unusual childhood. I was an elite gymnast as a child. I made my first national team at 10, uh, which is pretty young. So by the time I was 10, I was training, you know, five, six hours a day, five days a week. I moved away from home at a pretty young age to train at a better club. And I was the national champion in 19, gosh, what year was it? 1986. Um, But it's a pretty cruel and abusive coaching culture in the sport. And I suffered as a result of that when I left the sport in 1988, and I suffered for many years, and ultimately I wrote a book um, about the abusive training culture and the harms that were being done to young athletes, and that book came out in 2008, and it's interesting because um, I didn't mean to start uh, you know, I didn't mean to start a fire, uh, but I did. The The Olympic movement and the world of gymnastics was not pleased. I was really the first athlete that spoke up and, you know, described the culture and no one wanted to hear it. I was vilified and smeared as a liar for close to 10 years um, until the story of Larry Nasser broke. Um, who was the doctor for Team USA Gymnastics for 30 years and sexually assaulted over 500 athletes. And then suddenly I was redeemed overnight. (laughs) Amazing. No, you know, it's so important that you started with that because that that experience uh, and what you wrote about really, I think, shaped the the experience you were going to go through at Levi Strauss and and where you're at today. And you talk a little bit about this uh, obedience culture that you learned, right? That's that was something that was really ingrained in you growing up. Yeah, and I write about that. You know, I give a little bit of background on my childhood in Levi's Unbuttoned because I think it's an important point, or at least it's an important point I wanted to make, which is that if someone like me, who was raised in this culture of sort of obliterary, uh, obliterating obedience, you know, I mean, I was silence. I barely spoke until I was, you know, 19. You just didn't push back on the abusive culture. You didn't say anything if you were suffering um, because you know, your chances might be harmed of making the team, et cetera. You would be punished by the coaches. You just didn't talk, you know, and we were being starved and denied food and I was forced to train on broken bones and you just kept going. Mm -hmm. And I think I came to understand as an adult that I really wish some common sense adult had spoken up for me and not just assumed I was fine because I didn't say anything. And so that really kind of informed and encouraged my advocacy for children during the school closures. The other thing that um, I guess informed my persistence during the school closures is that ultimately in the world of sport, I was redeemed. Now it took 10 years. Um, I was called a crazy lying grifter in the beginning, um, but ultimately, I was redeemed, and so I, you know, I kept that close to close to me as I was outspoken. It's tough to go first, but if you speak the truth, people do come around. I just ran out of time. Um, yes. You know, I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, 
beat the clock on that one, I guess. Well, it's like you said, it, 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 things need to catch up to where you're at. You're, you're ahead of the curve, we'll put it that way. But I, I think it's yeah. interesting, right, to see, see that background. And then after gymnastics was over, you, you didn't expect to work for corporate culture, but yet you were at Levi Strauss for over 20 years. So you must have liked something about it. Yeah, you know, I never sort of saw myself as a corporate person. I wanted to, I thought when I was a young person, pursue more creative endeavors. I wanted to write books and make films, which is sort of ironic and interesting because that is what I'm doing now. Sure. I got to it eventually. It just took me till my 50s. <laughs> um, <laughs> although I, I wrote my first book at, when I was 40. So, um, but yeah, I sort of was a reluctant corporate um employee and ultimately executive. But I was independent minded and I didn't want, you know, in the early 90s when I was first trying to get a job, I'd, there was a recession. I didn't want to ask my parents for any help. I, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be on my own and live on my own. And I, I got a job at an advertising agency and I found out I was good at it. And it was fun. You know, it's a very young industry. I had a good time. So even though there were parts of it I didn't really like and felt at odds with me, uh, I ultimately kept going. And then, you know, life happens and I ended up at The Gap and then I ended up at Levi's in 99 and I became the breadwinner in the family. And, you know, then you just keep going because you're the support system for That's your family. Right. Yeah, you, you get in that cycle and it's hard to get out of it. And, it, you know, it's, it's amazing. You, you lived in this very liberal, progressive part of the country, San Francisco. You're working for a progressive type of, of company. You loved it. And no one would claim that you're a conservative uh, political uh, leaning, if you will. But something, something happened. And, and it, it, wasn't, it shouldn't be left versus right. Uh, this was more about free speech in corporate culture. Tell us what happened. Yeah, this, you know, everybody wants to divide us into left versus right, and I don't know what I would call myself at this point. I, I would not identify as a Democrat, that is for sure, but I wouldn't necessarily identify as a Republican either. I, you know, I'm registered as an independent here in Colorado, um, but it, 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 the world went mad, it seemed, in March 2020, and to my mind, it really was about, are you in favor of free speech? Are you in favor of common sense, truth seeking? Are you going to stand up in defense of children or not? There should be nothing political or partisan about any of those things. And yet, the fact that I dared to ask questions about whether closed schools were one, an effective means of you know, keeping people safe, and two, were they harmful to children? The fact that I even dared to ask that question in the most diplomatic way made me a heretic and i was called every unemployable name you can think of because if you violate the left's woke ideology mm -hmm. any point then you are all the other terrible things so if you ask a question about school closures you're a racist and a fat phobe and a transphobe and a anti-science alt-right QAnon lunatic those are all the things i was called yeah. um it didn't matter that my whole life i'd been a registered democrat it didn't matter None of it mattered. The arc of my life did not matter. It didn't matter that I'd been a women's advocate and a children's advocate for many, many years. Um, I was I was vilified and they did that to silence me. And when it was clear that I would not be silenced, they continued to do it to keep others silent. And it's very effective. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, we hear so much right in, in, in culture today about how the news media is is 
is shifted in one direction. You can't talk about certain things, and we can actually probably get into some of that, uh, your time on Fox versus CNN. Uh, but we see that in the media. Now we're seeing it in the schools. But what we don't talk about a lot is the corporate culture, right? Because if the corporate yeah. culture, like you were saying, uh, you were discouraged from speaking up. And, and again, coming from a corporate environment prior to, to Restoration America, I can tell you we talked about always talking about how you feel, your voice matters. But when it came to, to talk about the way I felt and where I saw things going, they didn't want to hear it, and I was being silenced as well. So tell, yeah, how, how did yeah. that go? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I was the chief marketing officer for many years, for eight years. I was sort of most known and, and most known, I think, in the corporate world for that role, um, helped reinvigorate the brand, which had been near bankruptcy in 2011 and, and helped lead us to a successful IPO. And one of the campaigns that I led that was very successful was, in fact, called Use Your Voice. And it was intended to be nonpartisan. And it was sort of an exhortation to our fans to be themselves and to say what they think. And it didn't touch on specific subject matter. It was just this, you know, plea to kind of be authentic and be yourself. And I realized not so far into my advocacy that this campaign I created clearly did not apply to me because I, you yeah. should only use your voice if you say what we think you are that's allowed right. to say. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, that's the sort of ironic twist in the whole thing is that that's a campaign that, you know, I was celebrated for as the CMO and that the brand became quite known for. And yet at the end of the day, that was a right that was being denied to me. So it's amazing to follow that trajectory because I think you, as you were trying to speak up within your organization, uh, as they asked you to do, but again, you went off script, so that wasn't good. But then all of a sudden you got invited to talk on some, uh, you know, on Fox, right? So that yeah, really- Yeah, I did. I, I think the other, the other point I would make is I wasn't doing this within the organization. I was doing this as a mom in my off hours. Yeah. And so, you know, I wasn't trying to get any employees to join my side. I wasn't trying to make this a, you know, it, it wasn't something I was spending my work time doing or using my title yeah. to drive impact. I, in fact, purposefully never talked about the fact that I worked at Levi's and was an executive at, at Levi's. Um, you know, I wanted it to be clear that I was speaking as a citizen and a mom and a public school mom. And I was the only executive with kids in San Francisco public schools. All of my peers right. who were telling me to stop had their kids in in-person private. So, you know, the hypocrisy was sort of too great to ignore. But after about um, a year of being outspoken on social media, as well as writing some op-eds and leading a few rallies, I was invited to be on The Ingram Angle on Fox News. It's a show I had never watched. I was vaguely familiar with her. I mean, I didn't really, you know, I knew the kind of reputation on the left, but, um, you know, it was a national platform and I was at this point well-connected to a grassroots group of, of moms who had been advocating for open schools. This is March 21, by the way. Our schools still weren't opened in California and there was no sign that they were going to. Like we were desperate, you know? And I talked to the moms and some of them were sort of disaffected liberals like me. And, and we said, well, this is gonna be, people are gonna be mad that you go on this show, but you should do it. Because we had been trying, to your point, to get on CNN all they wanted to do was fan the flames of fear. They didn't want to hear from parents with any sort of common sense uh, perspective about what was happening to children. We had tried. We'd approached the New York Times. You know, the only stories these mainstream outlets would run were those 
that said, you know, schools must stay closed forever or else all the teachers and kids are going to die. And, and that was a lie. Um, and so I took the opportunity. I knew, um, you know, that I was well media trained. I would stick to my talking points and I did. And I would, I stand by everything I said, I would say it again and I would say it to her, but that really unleashed a fury inside the organization. And it became this, I mean, I literally had to answer questions like, are you one of us or one of them? Hmm. Yeah, you know, in corporate America, right, you, you go through social media training. And so what you're telling us right. is that you were not uh, acting, you were not speaking on behalf of Levi Strauss. You were speaking on behalf of a mother of four and you have the right to talk about and question all the things that are going on. And we know now you talked about how long it takes to, for you to be vindicated and things like that. We're seeing it move more and more that direction that these lockdowns were in fact bad. The masks may or may not work. Uh, vaccines may or may not work, right? We won't get into all those details there, but all that stuff is coming out. And so it takes time. But importantly here, you were speaking as a mother, not as the, the chief marketing officer for Levi Strauss. Yeah, or the brand president. I was promoted in October of 2020 amidst all this conflict, which I think is a testament to the fact that I was still doing a good job. A lot of people like to speculate that the reason I was pushed out the door is that I was crap at my job. Yes, but that's not the case. You know, I was promoted in October of 2020 and led the brand uh, back from the depths of lockdowns to double the stock price under my tenure. I was I was doing a good job and it was in fact next in line to be CEO and would have been the first female uh, CEO at the company. It was really a conflict over my outspokenness on these issues. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know what it really was? I went against the Democratic Party platform, and this is a company that's very much aligned yeah. with that party. I mean, I was even told I couldn't post articles about the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, recall election in the fall of 21. What does that have to do with anything? I wasn't even commenting. I was just sharing, you know, news articles. But the the majority shareholder owners of Levi's, the, the Haas family, has close personal ties to the governor, and that mm. was off limits, you know? Um, all sorts of things were off limits, but you're right. You know, I, I wouldn't say we're fully vindicated at this point, but there is at least acknowledgement that long-term school closures cause terrible learning loss and terrible harm, especially to the most disadvantaged children. Uh, the ones that supposedly we were trying to protect. Uh, the mental health impacts are grave. Absenteeism is at an all-time high. I mean, this is a generational issue that we're going to be dealing with. So we were right, and we were vilified. And masking, to your point, you know, this recent study that's come out, a meta-analysis, shows that masks make no difference. And yet, when I was outspoken solely about toddler masking, two-year-olds in masks, right. I was you know, called anti-science and forced to prostrate myself and ask for forgiveness, though I did not ask for forgiveness. I defended my view. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's exciting hearing you talk about this, right? Because I, I call this the mama bear syndrome, right? It's like, I don't care what job I have. I don't care how much money I'm making. This is about the kids. And once that, that, flip, that switch flips, there's no stopping you. And, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, people ask me all the time, one of the most common questions I get now is, why? Why is this the hill you were willing to die on? Why did you do it? And I mm -hmm. can only say, why weren't you willing to die on this hill? Right. These are our children that we're talking about. Um, 
I don't understand it. If you're not willing to fight for truth and for kids, then what are you willing to fight for, honestly? Nothing. And there is just a there's such cowardice, I think, amongst leaders today. And if I couldn't do it as an influential leader and well-liked leader, because people will say, well, you are a leader in the company. There's different rules for you. Well, technically, that's not the case. I had no contract saying I couldn't. Maybe maybe they'll rethink that, and now, now yeah. people will. Um, but if I couldn't do it as a senior leader that was really you know, well-liked, why do we think a, a workaday, you know, sort of mid-level employee could? It, 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 it's incumbent upon us as leaders, I think, to have a little bit of courage and to, to speak the truth and to ask the questions and to encourage open debate and dissent. I would also die on a hill for your right to say something that I don't agree with. That's that's what we do as citizens. You know, the only thing that protects speech is more free speech. And you and I probably agree on a lot and disagree on a lot. And that's OK. I don't think yeah. you're evil and you don't think I'm evil because we disagree on some stuff. No, it's so important to have these dialogues. That's that. I mean, isn't that the problem today? No one is willing to sit yeah. down and talk. Each side has to say it's this way or no way. And we're willing to fight about it as opposed to having that dialogue, which we used to have that used to be common yeah it's really changed hasn't it and people ask me all the time like what what has changed but you know it used to be you could be of a party a political party and not agree with the entire platform right you could question right. certain pillars of the platform you could be a pro-life democrat in the past right. um you could be a pro-choice republican in the past it's not possible anymore it's so partisan and it isn't just simple disagreement it's you are evil and must be banished. And I think the, the, the sort of strength with which the left does that is, it's sort of mind blowing. You know, this Absolutely. this party, and that's what was so stunning for me as a lifetime Democrat who actually believed in um, what they said. That's right. You know, I don't really think I've changed all that much. I've I've always been a believer in free speech, and I've always advocated for children and equality of opportunity. That that should be. Like that should be nonpartisan. That's but certainly nonpartisan. it was Yeah. It, it it is. But I was just determined to be a unemployable whack job, you know, essentially, um, <laughs> for saying these things. And it's just madness. I don't know why we have to vilify each other because we might disagree. And if we can't have these conversations, then we can't get to truth. And we're just accepting government-issued talking points, propaganda as truth, pharma-issued talking points as truth. I refuse to do that. I think it's too dangerous and we'll be left living in an authoritarian regime if people, good people don't stand up and challenge. You're absolutely right. And, and again, we, we focus so much on the children, right? And so not only you, you sacrifice for your children, but for all children. And it's, that's our future. And if they don't understand that lesson now, we have no future. Yeah, I mean, that's right. It was my children were going to be okay. You know, we have every advantage. We had strong Wi-Fi. They had adults home to help them. They still suffered from the isolation. Certainly, everybody did. But I was really advocating for the 50,000 public school students in San Francisco, most of whom did not have those advantages. Um, the 25 million public school students across the country who were shut out of regular schooling for close to two years. I mean, it's just the cruelty is still just unimaginable to me. And it was 
cruelty done in the name of virtue. You know, we were told we were the evil ones, but they were the ones harming children. So I just, you know, I ultimately resigned rather than accept hush money to leave and stay quiet because I felt that this, I felt that we, I wanted to be a part of this discussion about encouraging open debate and dissent again, and hopefully inspiring people who are scared to speak up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the, the, the division here, right? So you have public schools where, you know, usually people who don't have enough money to send their kids to a private school, but the private schools were all back in school. Public schools were not. And, you know, you took a stand for that. Do you, um, I, you know, you made a big sacrifice for your family, uh, your husband, I'm sure, you know, you and your husband. Your kids realize what you did? I mean, do you feel pretty good about the lesson you taught them? Have they internalized that yet? Well, you know, I have four kids and two of them are older and we're in college at the time and two are much younger. So it's harder for the younger ones to understand. I think it was tough for the older ones. You know, I took a stance that was so outside of what everyone they knew was doing in San Francisco. So I think I was a little embarrassing for them yeah. at first, but I think we've come to understand each other. And I, um, you know, I hope with some time and, and distance, that they'll understand that I um, I stood up for them and yeah. I did so, you know, I upheld, I was true to my principles. I was a little principal, not right. party. And so we continue to talk about it. But, you know, as a teenager, it's tough. You want to sort of fit in that stand out. And I made that a little tough for a while. <laughs> well, it's a journey for them as well. And they'll, they'll get there. It's like you said, it just takes some time to internalize that. But that's a uh... What a great example you set for your kids. So, so Jennifer, what, what, what's next for you? What, what, do you? what are your big initiatives that you're working on now? Well, I'm actually making a documentary film on the impact to children and families from the prolonged school closures. Um, our working title is Generation COVID, and we've been filming families across the country, um, all kinds of backgrounds and challenges that they've faced. And I will tell you, the kids are not all right, and we are not doing what we need to do to help them. And without accountability and true acknowledgement of the wrong decisions, the terrible decisions, because they were a choice, they, they were not required, um, I, I fear that it will happen again. And so I want to create a record with this film um, so that people understand what happened and how cruel and harmful it was. Yeah, it's desperately needed. So I'm, I'm so excited to hear that you're doing that. People need to understand and we can't, we cannot forget. We have to remember what happened so this stuff doesn't repeat again. That's How right. can they support your work? Oh, goodness. Well, they can check out my book. I would be honored if people did that. Um, available where books are sold, Amazon, uh, barnesandnoble.com, and right from the publisher at leviesunbutton.com. I'm very active still on Twitter, which is ironic because that's what kind of got me in all my trouble in the first place. Right. Um, and I have a subsect called Say Everything, S-E-Y. So, um, and I share all my sort of comings and, and goings there, but would be real honored if people would check out the book. Jennifer Say, thank you so much for your bravery, uh, and we're going to be rooting for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. And don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. 
First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting FIRST RIGHT to 30161. That's FIRST RIGHT, all caps, one word, to 30161.